taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. To be in church today. Hey, if you're not already seated, uh, you can be seated right now at all of our, our all of our campuses. It is a thrill to be with you uh, in church today. Uh, you came on a special Sunday. Uh, we we know Memorial Day weekend is a, is a heavily traveled uh, weekend, and there's many people that are that are at the beach or try are on vacation or just out today. Uh, and so we decided let's do something a little bit a little bit different. Uh, Memorial Day is is oftentimes kind of just glossed over without even thinking about it, but if you know what it means, it, it's, it, it, it's our time to remember sacrifices people have made so that we could live in the country that we live in and have the opportunities that we have. And we thought, uh, what would be fitting for us as a church? Uh, what would maybe tie in with the, the theme of the weekend, but, but also uh, tie in with, with, with the point of the church? Well, what, what can we do to kind of do something bigger than ourselves? And so we thought, Let's have a Compassion International uh, Sunday. If you've never been to one of these before, uh, I want to be right up front with you so you understand at all of our campuses the point of today. Uh, outside of telling you about God and His love for you and what Jesus did for you on the cross, that will always be number one to us. We are going to deal with eternity, uh, but we are also called to make a difference in the temporary. Uh, and so I'm going to be really upfront with you. I think that that is important. I think that's the type of church that you have been, become used to uh, being a part of. We don't try to manipulate you. We don't want you to make an emotional uh, decision. Uh, I, but my goal for you today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, by the end of today, is I want to convince you uh, that God is calling you to, to sponsor a child, just, just like the kids on that, on that video, that, that every one of us in this room, uh, and probably everyone watching online, that we, we have the means, we have the ability, uh, we have uh, the money, the finances uh, to become part of something bigger than ourselves. So my goal, if, you're, if you are a follower of Christ and this is your church, uh, we, we called them, we've done this before. Every time we do this, they ask you your church size and they say, okay, a great number for you uh, as a church uh, of your size would be 150 kids. And so they sent us 150 uh, pamphlets uh, of kids. We have some at each campus. And they say, if you can get 150 people to, to sponsor a child, that would be an amazing, amazing uh, a day and would help so many people. Our goal and, and our prayer is that we would have a wait list. And so that, that we would have so many people that respond to this message uh, that we would literally have to call Compassion up and say, hey, uh, we, we, we have all those kids sponsored and, and then we need more. Like there's more people that want to be a, a part of, of, this, of this day. And so just to give you a little background of Compassion International, uh, Compassion International was started by a man named Everett Swanson many, many years ago. Uh, he was a pastor and uh, he went on a, a trip during the Korean War to, to, to Korea, obviously, uh, to, to minister to the troops there. And so they, 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 they were in a war, you know, stressful, uh, losing, losing friends, losing, losing loved ones, and so far from their family. So he got on a plane, he went to Korea uh, to minister and preach and, and share the good news of Jesus with, with the troops. And when he was there, he noticed the effects of war. And oftentimes, we, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't understand this because we've never had a war physically fought uh, in, in a, on our land in our lifetime or even for hundreds of years. Uh, and so, uh, but, um, and some of you are, are history people, you're saying, well, about 150 years. I, I get it. But, but for us, we, we never understood that or would comprehend that. And so for, for him, one of the effects he saw was there was kids and they were, uh, they were wandering the streets. He asked, what were these kids from? They said, those are kids that have lost their, their family members as a result of this war. 
they're orphaned, they're hungry, uh, they're homeless, they're, they're, they don't have clothes to wear, they're undereducated. Uh, and so his heart began to be touched by this, by this need. One morning he got up early and uh, he was on a, on a, in, on a, in a vehicle traveling to a destination and he was behind what looked like a trash truck and looked like they were picking up uh, rags from the street and throwing these, these cloths, these rags in the back of this, this trash truck. Uh, and as he got closer, he, he saw that actually it wasn't, it wasn't rags at all. It was actually uh, clothes covering dead bodies. And he said, he said what, what, what are they doing? And he said, this trash company is picking up every night. Uh, every morning they wake up, they go along the streets, and they pick up the orphan kids that have lost their parents off the street that have froze to death the night before. And something changed. You ever been in those, one of those moments where you, you go from feeling bad to wanting to do something about it? Like, I'll give you an example. I watched a movie yesterday about a dog coming home. I think it was A Dog's Journey Home or something like that. Uh, I, I liked it. It touched my heart. Talking dog, mother to a, to, a, to a cougar, like all these things that was amazing. I didn't want to go get a dog at the end of it. Like, it wasn't like, you know what I need? I, I looked around my room. I saw, you know, my three kids. I'm like, this is all of the animal that I can fit in my, in. I didn't, like, so I felt, like, touched, but, like, I didn't want to, like, go out and do something about it. And this is one of the situations where you feel something, you see something, but you can't get away from it. So he didn't get on a plane and go home and say, let me forget, let me go back to America, go back to my family, forget about this. Something st stuck in him that day. He said, I got to do something about it. He said, I can't change the world by myself, but I can be part of making a difference. And so many years ago, he started an orphanage in Korea. Uh, and what he did, because he was a pastor and have a lot of money, is he came home and he said, we're going to partner people from countries like America that have the means uh, with, with kids like this who don't have the means. And so many years ago, he started in one orphanage. And over the years, uh, thousands, almost hundreds of thousands of kids now are being sponsored by this organization called Compassion International. And so every few years, we have the opportunity uh, to, to partner with them and continue. I got something in my throat. It's just in there right now. <clears throat> All right, there we go. And so, uh, and partner with them and continue with. You ever had that where you have something in your throat? You're like, I'm in front of a bunch of people. I'm going to cough. It's going to be awkward. So I'm just going to tell you. And so it's not awkward when I, when I do it. Uh, but he started this many years ago. And we have an, here's why I love it too. When you sponsor a kid, it's $38 a month. Some of you, that's a lot of money. For some of you, some of you that's, that's nothing. Some of you realize my, you're doing the math in your head. You're like, I spend that every week at Starbucks uh, on crappy coffee, right? Like, and so like, you just, that's fighting words. Some of you, like, you just dunk in whatever, wah, wah. Uh, some of you, it's not a lot of money at, at all. But why I love Compassion International is when you send them $38, uh, $26 of it goes right to the kids. So there's advertisement, there's printing costs, there's organizational structure costs, and $26 goes directly to this kid uh, to feed them, to educate them, to clothe them, and quite honestly, to have the ability to change their life. You know, there's, there's, there's millions and millions of kids living in the world today, we, we know that. But right now in our, in our world that we're living right now, there's 395 million kids uh, that live on less than $1.90 a day, that live in extreme poverty. And we have the opportunity to, to, to make a dent and impact that in some form. And the problem is, is it's really hard for us to understand. Think about it. Uh, our garbage disposals, if you have one of those, eats better than most of those kids eat. Think the truth. Like we, we, have, we have yard sales to sell clothes that we no longer can wear or fit because we've eaten too much. And then we just fill, fill them up again with new clothes. We have cars. We have more than, than we can imagine. And here's what I don't want you to do. I'm not going to preach a sermon that makes you feel guilty for all that you have. What I am going to do is I'm going to explain to you that maybe you have all that you have to make a difference in this world. 
that, that maybe your life is more than just your life, that maybe God has put you on this earth in this time in history to accomplish something miraculous for his kingdom and, and his name. And he is overly concerned with how we relate and care about poor people. You know, the Bible uh, has many verses and it. it talks about heaven, hell, money, sex, you know, any, anything you can think of, stress, uh, uh, anxiety, fear, worry, all those topics. You know, one of the most often talked about uh, subjects in the Bible is poverty. And how God's heart breaks for poor people. In fact, if you do a study, there's 560 verses about the heart of God uh, for poor people. Watch what the Bible says in in, in Psalms 82, uh, 3. It says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of, of the wicked. In another part of the book of Proverbs, verse 31, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And some of you are smart and you go, well, why doesn't God do something? If God wants to care about it, why doesn't God do something about it? Why does God let poor people? God did do something about it. God stepped out of eternity into, into this imperfect world, died on a cross for our sins, rose from the dead, uh, give, gave us a chance to respond to the gospel through grace. And then he started the church and he said, I want you to go everywhere and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with every person you know. But I also want you to do it not only with word, I want you to do it in action. I, I want you to use what you've been given and what God has done in your life to make a difference in, in this world. In fact, we know this is true from 1 John 3. Watch what he says. Some of you are, well, how do you know you love God? Watch, watch, watch this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, watch what he says, but they don't have any pity on them. Uh, how can the love of God be in that person? How does that even make sense? And then he gives us this. He says, dear children, let us love with words and speech. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, this is great what we do here. This is great, but this is not an indicator of how bought in you are to, to God. Some of you say, yeah, it is. I came to church on Memorial Day. This is not an indicator. This is good. You came here and worshiped today. It's not an indicator with how loud you sing. It's not an indicator with how high you hold your hands. The indicator is how you respond to things like this. He says, let us not work, love just with word, but let us love with, with action. And he, here's the, the problem is our hearts in, in, our, in our culture are becoming less compassionate. Our minds are becoming more cynical and our wallets are becoming more closed. So when we're, 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 we're inundated with something like this, we, we are less compassionate. In fact, over the last 20 years, studies suggest we are becoming less and less and less compassionate as a people. No, nobody knows why. Everybody has theories. One theory that I heard says that the reason we're becoming less and less compassionate, and by the way, Jesus said, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. He's talking about the church. Why, why are we growing less and less compassionate? Why don't we care? Why can we see things like this and not do anything about it? One of the reasons many people think is because we are becoming more and more obsessed with ourselves, and we have to admit that's true. Am I right? I mean, 80% of what we do on social media, guess who it's about? You. It's about you. There's this chemical in our brains that, that's released. It's called dopamine. Uh, I think it's funny that it starts with dope because I think, <laughs> I think at some point in history, people are going to look back on us and go, what was wrong with you guys, right? Like, you guys were wild. Like, you took pictures of yourself. Like, who took that? I did. I took pictures of myself, and then I posted them, and then I waited for people to respond all day long to see what they liked and did not like, and I literally built my identity like that. 
And this chemical that's released is called dopamine. And what it is, it's the chemical where you love to talk and read and look at yourself. And so when you do those things and that's released, you actually get a natural high from this. It's a legal drug. And the more that your brain produces it, here's the thing, the more that you need it. You ever been there? Like some of you, if I said, hey, take a break from Instagram. Don't post any more selfies this week. Nobody cares anymore. You literally would be like, I can't do it. Why? Because I'm like an addict that, that is addicted to this high. And if I don't have that high, I'm going to get headaches and I'm going to sweat and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. And the truth is we all, if we're not careful, the reason that we're less compassionate and the reason that we don't care about things like this is that for truthful, even as church people, we're becoming more and more obsessed with ourselves. Another reason some people say is because of social media, there's a lack of personal interaction, which makes it easier not to care. I mean, think about it. There was a time in our, in our lives, in our history, where if somebody lost their job, that was your friend, that you would go meet them for coffee, and you would look face to face and sit across the table, and they would cry to you, and you wouldn't be uncomfortable, and you, could just, you would be with them physically, and you could support them emotionally and have a conversation and pray with them. And now we post everything we have online, and it's easier for us as their friends to just be like, I'm praying for you as you're eating a hamburger. You don't even have, like, we don't even know how to have those conversations. Like, if somebody, if somebody cries around me sometimes, like, if we're honest because we have a lack of personal interaction, it makes us uncomfortable. We're like, what's wrong with you, bro? Get, get it together. It's because of the effects of social media. And so because we have a lack, we're like, man, it's, it's not really affecting me. It's not that big of a deal. It's across the world. Like, my kids are fed. I'm fed. Like, I'm good. You know, I don't have everything that I want in this world. And so naturally, I should care about myself. And we have a lack of personal interaction. And, and maybe, maybe one of the reasons that for, as a church that we become less and less compassionate is if we're truthful, there's an overwhelming exposure to suffering, and it can desensitize us. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I don't think Compassion International uh, was a part of my life. I don't remember hearing about them. I learned about them at a later age in college. But there was this guy on TV. Uh, he was he was kind of balding. He had he looked like he was like a like a like a forest guy, like a jungle guy, like Steve Irwin. But he was bald. You guys, if you guys are my age, you remember he's come on Saturday morning for this, like, a long extended infomercial, and he had a beard. And uh, he would talk about sponsoring kids and how there's hungry kids. And then eventually in the commercial, anybody remember what I'm talking about? In the commercial, there would be a little boy or a little girl, and their stomach would be sticking way way out and uh, flies would be all around their, their head, and usually at that time, if it was Saturday morning, I'd be eating, you know, tasty cakes or something unhealthy like that, drinking soda if my mom and dad weren't up yet, stuff, stuff like that, trying to watch my cartoons, Tom and Jerry, stuff, stuff like that, wholesome stuff, and so Roadrunner, and I'll be flipping through the channels, 13 channels, and on one of them, this dude took up the whole, the whole day, but when I watched him, I remember as a kid, I kind of felt bad, like I was like, that's, that something's not right, there, like the flies flying on the little boy's head and his stomach sticking out, and I'm they're eating. And, and and I remember in that moment, like I'll be like, oh, I should I should do something. I don't know what to do. I'm a little kid, but we should do do something. And you know, at the time, my parents they were sponsoring kids and you know giving giving money to kids that 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 had nothing to do with our family, and so they understood that. And I remember how it felt. But the truth is, because we are overexposed to to suffering, that we can see those things now. It doesn't really bother us. Like, it just, it just does. You can see somebody get beat up on, on Facebook on one of the videos. You're like, cool. In fact, you're like, who wins? 
Like we, we just, we are, we are desensitized because there's an overexposure of suffering. So when I say there is 395 million kids that right now, they're sitting somewhere on the side of the street possibly, and they can't even move to get up because they don't have enough energy, and they are just waiting for somebody to feed them one meal a day to keep them alive. But basically, they are waiting to die. They are living out their days. They're going to die from malaria or a lack of water or a lack of food. Like, it's really, because we're here, we're like, okay, what am I supposed to do about that? And here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about the significance of compassion. Because the way that we respond to a message like this tells me everything that we need, that we know, get, need to know about our church. Now, that just coming to church is one thing. Singing loud is one thing. Showing up, that's one thing. But this kind of message, when it is like, hey, this is how we respond. Same, same thing with, with, with first service. Here's how we're going to respond. We have this many kids. How are we going to respond to this opportunity in our church? And what I want to do is I want to give you five truths to compassion. Some of you normally come here. You said you normally have four or three. Why do you have five? We're going to go fast, right? Because this is an important topic that I want our church to, to excel in. If we were going to excel in some things, I want us to excel and being a compassionate church. So when we're presented with an opportunity like this, that we step up big time. So let me give you five just real quick. Number one is this, truths about compassion. If you have your notes, you can follow along. If not, look on the screens. Number one, compassion counts. If you're a church person, if you're not a follower of Christ, you can just listen to this. Uh, you can do good, kind acts, but compassion is a biblical uh, attribute. It's a biblical concept. And I need you to understand the first thing is, is compassion, it counts. And you know what type of world we live in, right? And what I'm talking about, what type of world we live in, I'm not talking bad about the world, but I want to tell you one thing that I hate about the, the, the world, the habits of the world. You know I've talked to you about this before. I hate that we don't keep score. I hate when you play a game with people and they're like, there's no winners and, and lose. I hate when my kids sign up for a sport and they kick the ball in the goal or, or they do something good and nobody goes over to a board and flips it so that everybody else there knows that team has one, this team has zero. I hate when they're like, you scored, yay, but nobody knows who's winning. And at the end of the tape, everybody wins, right? Everybody gets orange slices and chocolate and all things. Some of you say, no, I love it, it's great. No, it's not. Because it doesn't apply to life. Like there's, there's winners and losers. I mean, you get older. I mean, all of us that, that enjoy Philadelphia sports here. At the end of game seven, when Kawhi Leonard hit the shot and the Sixers went home and, and beats crying on the sideline like a, like, like a baby, right? Like just crying and walking out and being, being coddled by his girlfriend and all these things that, that were going on that you saw. None of us were like, well, at least they tried. <laughs> we're not like, hey, hey, the Raptors just won last night. So technically, if the Raptors beat the Warriors, then we'll be the second best team in the league. No, we're at home right now. We, we lost, right? There's a winner. There's not a good try. There's not an attaboy. You either win at the end of the day or you lose. Same principle. Like there is, there is absolutely, we need to understand there's things that are important and that, are, that count and there's things that don't. And compassion, it, it, it counts. You, you want to know how I know that? There's one of the most, most devastating uh, uh, stories in, in scripture that in, in the book of Matthew chapter 25. If you like to play the it doesn't matter game. If you like to play like it's not that big of a deal. If you like to play like, as long as I believe in God, then I'll, I'll be fine. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do on Monday. It doesn't matter how I respond. It doesn't matter how I use my money. As long as I said a prayer and went to confirmation class and have some sort of religious affiliation, then when I get to heaven someday, I'll get it as long as I do that one thing. And for some of you, you think that, but you've never read your scripture. 
Because Jesus is very frank in, in, in Matthew 25. He's telling a story. He's trying to explain the difference between religion and relationship. He's talking about people who come and sing and, 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 and do the things for God in, in public, but, but they're, they're not close to him. And here, depart from me, I never knew you. And he's he kind of talking about two different types of people that live. And this is what he says in Matthew 25, verse 34. He says, then the king will say to those on the right. So he's already dealt with the people on the left. You, you don't know me. You think you know me, but you don't know me. Then he says this. This, this is how you know me, people on the right. Come, you're blessed. You are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous are going to answer him, because they're going to be confused. I don't, I don't know. We, we never saw you, right, physically. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see, a see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, this is God. Watch what he says. Uh, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, who are you doing it for? Me. God, I never, never saw you. Yeah, 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 you, you did. You just walked right by me. You just walked right by me. You, you did see me. You saw that opportunity in, in, in church on the 26th of, of May. You just walked by. You see me in the grocery store. You, you just walked by. You see the single mom in front. You, you just walked by. The opportunity at your child's school to step up and help kids with, that don't have everything that you have. And maybe you have to give up a little bit of what you have to help them, but you just walked by. Yeah, 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 but I went to church every week, and I sang on the worship team, and I preached, and I prophesied, and, and I knew scripture, and I even put that fish on the back of my car, God. You know that fish? Keeps you accountable, that fish. And God, I sent my kids to Christian school, and God, I knew the Bible. Yeah, 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 but, but, but when you walk past these people, when you knew, when you knew of all the suffering in the world, yet it never impacted you at all, it told you and it told me everything I need to know about your heart. You see, compassion, we, we, there's no way around it. It absolutely counts. It, it, it's a big deal. Let me, let me give you a couple more that are important. Compassion not only does it count, but it cares. It, it, it cares. Compassion is the Christ-like action that makes someone else's problem your priority. It, it goes beyond just clicking. It goes beyond just watching a movie and feeling bad. It goes beyond just, you know, being upset. It goes beyond giving a couple bucks to somebody just one time. Compassion is those moments that when they, they creep into your life, that they actually change what you're doing. It demands action. In fact, the word compassion, if you study it in the Greek, just to break it down, I don't want to gross you out, it actually means that feeling inside of your gut right before you're, you're about to go to you know what. That's, that's what it means. It's this pain inside of you. It's, 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 a, it's a gut feeling. Like you feel something in you, but it's not the point. It doesn't stop there. Like some of you go, yeah, I felt that. I went to watch that movie. I felt bad. Like I, I watched it. I felt bad. And I'll say it like this. this is, I tried to figure out how to explain it to you. So I potty trained. Me and my wife potty trained all three of our boys. You know, they're all, they're all pretty much done with diapers. It does happen. For those of you who have young, young kids, you're saying when, you know, eventually. And so they're 16, 18, and 13. And so you know, happened last year, and so they're not. They're 11, 9, and 6, and so we are fully out of, of, of diapers at this point, and for the most part, it's, it's amazing, right? When I was teaching them, though, uh, you, what you teach them is to feel the urge, right? Like, there's this urge inside of you that says it's time to go, right? But that's not where you stop. You don't say, oh, you felt the urge. Okay, just go. That's, that's it. 
just, right? Like, what do you do? You feel the urge, go, go to the bathroom. Like, the urge is not the point. The urge is what tells you to move. And I don't, what I don't want is I don't want an emotional, like, oh, that's, that's sad. I want something inside of you that goes, oh, that's sad. I have to do something about it. I have to be part of the solution. I have to make somebody else's problem my priority. I have to decrease in what I think is important so that I can allow myself to increase in what God says is important because compassion counts and compassion cares. In fact, you read scripture, the Bible says over and over and over again that Jesus is filled with compassion, but then it keeps going. He's filled with compassion over the man that has leprosy, then he heals him. He's filled with compassion over the people because they're like a sheep without a shepherd, and then he becomes their shepherd, and he heals, and he feeds them. He's filled with compassion over the man who can't see or the man who can't walk, and then he heals them. Compassion is not the end. It's not just an emotional thing. It's that feeling that gets you to start doing something about it. Compassion, it cares. Let me give you a few more. Compassion number three, it cuts. How many of you have type A personality? Type A personality? Yeah. You like everything figured out. Some of you in, in, in the church world with your money, it's like I'm on a Dave Ramsey plant. I got it. If you're not never take Dave Ramsey, you, you're not laughing at that joke. But if you took him, you know what I'm talking about. Every penny's accounted for. We have a debt problem. We're going to get out of debt in 16 years. We're going to pay off our cars. We're going to have our house paid off. We're going to live like nobody else is living. Now so that we can live like nobody else is living later. We're not going to spend money that we don't have to buy things that we don't need. These are all the things that I've learned from Dave Ramsey. And so we have a plan. So every dollar that comes in, I have a plan for it. I can do a compassion kid, but I can only do one because I have all these other bills that I got to pay off and I'm saving up for retirement. And I got all these plans to do. And, and that's good, but you have to understand that, that God is not overly concerned with your 10-year plan. He's just not. The Bible says that God is the God of your future. That God does not promise you the next 10 years, but he's given you today. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. Don't spend your life talking about what you're going to do tomorrow. Just be faithful with what God has called you to do today because you need to understand that oftentimes God moments in your life, those preordained moments, they just cut in when you least expect them. They just push their way in. You're on a five-year plan, that's great, but I got a better plan for you. I got a better plan for your money. I got a better plan for your time. I got a, I got a better plan for you. In fact, one of my favorite stories in scripture, if you are a Bible person, you remember the story where uh, Jesus is preaching in a house and attendance is amazing. It's so full, nobody else can get in. And they're all listening to Jesus, and these four friends bring their crippled buddy with them on a mat, and they need Jesus to heal them, but they can't get in. They try to get in, and everybody says, no, there's no room. And so they do. They go up the steps, they cut out the roof, and they drop their friend right in on top of Jesus. Like, that's a party right there, y'all. That's church. And I think it's amazing because they would have understood this, this dude's need is cutting into our, to our time. Like, we're having to carry him. He's giving us nothing back. We get to where we said we're going to carry him, and now there's no, no room to get in. And now we got to walk him up the steps, and i got to bust a hole. i gotta, I got to break and enter and vandalize somebody else's house to get you to Jesus. And they lower this man on top of Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus loves their faith. He loves their compassion. He loves their reaction. He loves it. And the Bible says he heals the man right there on the spot. That's church, because compassion, not only does it care, and not only does it count, but compassion, it cuts in to our life when we least expect it. And so maybe today, you've been on a plan. You have this plan for the summer. You have this plan to go on vacation. You have this plan to pay off your debt. You have this plan to save up for school. You have this plan to, to accomplish all these things in your life, and, and the Spirit of God cuts in and says, that's an awful plan. 
Because at the end of that plan, you are, you are the God of your life. At the end of that plan, you're living for your own comfort and your own convenience and your own glory. i got a better plan for you, one of purpose and meaning and grace and, and hope. And let me, just give you, let me just give you two more. Compassion, it also, it also costs us. Compassion costs us. You think about the story of the Good Samaritan, if you've read the Bible. If you haven't, you've probably heard the story. And the thing I love about the, the Good Samaritan is uh, the first two guys that step over, if you never read it, the story's about a man who gets beat up and left for dead, trying to figure out what a neighbor looks like. The story says that a, that a, that a priest comes by, a pastor, and just steps over the man. He doesn't have time. It's cutting into his schedule. And he certainly doesn't want to pay the cost because here's the thing. At that time, uh, when you touched blood, you became unceremonially clean. And so the priest loved to be in the temple in front of people, reading the Bible and quoting the Torah and doing the actions and the activities of the, of the religious you know, section. And if he touched that body, he wouldn't be allowed to do that. And so it would take something from him. And so he justified it. And the Bible says he steps over the man. Then a Levite came, same principle, coming from church, the Bible says, and steps over the man. Then a Samaritan comes, and here's, what, well, here's what's funny. At that time, the Samaritan would be considered an ungodly person, a person who didn't have a relationship with, 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 with God, the person who was far from this religious section. And the Bible says the Samaritan picks the man up, I love, this, I love the principle, and puts the man on his, on his horse, his donkey, whatever he had, and takes him to an inn. Now, what's amazing, you picture that, if, if the man who was beat up and left for dead is on the horse, where do you think the man's at? You think he... You think it was a stretched horse? He had to get off of that horse. He had to walk. Like, when's the last time you did that, by the way? When's the last time you got rid of a, a possession that you didn't need and you got something worse so that you could give something to somebody that saved their life? Like, I, I can't. I, when's the last time we, that you gave like, like that? He walks the man down the, down the thing, puts him in a, in, a, in a hotel, tells the hotel owner, hey, Here's my, here's my credit card. They didn't have those back then, but here's, here's some money. Anything he needs until he gets better, I'll pay for. Anything. He needs a movie, I'll get him a movie. He needs a doctor, I'll get him a doctor. Any, any food that he needs. I said, what's his name? I don't know. Check his ID. I never met him before. I mean, that is unthinkable almost in our culture. Because the truth is, this man knew that comp- compassion, it costs. It steps into your, your convenience and your life and your wallet and your time and your agenda and your five-year plan. It says, I got a better plan for you. I got a better purpose for you. It, it costs. And number, number five, I love this thought, that compassion changes. And here's what I'll say to you today. Some of you, you came here today as Christians, and you are riddled with anxiety and fear and depression and bitterness and anger. And you prayed that I would preach a message that would give you some insight and some hope in that situation. And to that, I'll say you're welcome. So wait, 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 wait. You're asking me for something. How is that going to help me? Like, when you talk about me, I'm talking about my depression and my issues and my pain and my anger. And once again, I'll tell you, you're welcome because compassion changes you. Why, why are you so riddled with anxiety, fear, doubt? Why are you so afraid of your future? Because you are trying to be in control of it. You're trying to plan out and save and be conservative and hold and hoard. And the more you have, the more you worry about. And you're always thinking about yourself and your anger and your bitterness and who did you wrong. 
the thing I love about compassion, when you give outside of yourselves, when you start to make your life about somebody other than you, when you make somebody else's problem a priority and you give your problems to God, is it changes you. In fact, I read this week, I'm not even sure who said it. He said, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. Then he said, if you want to be happy, practice compassion. In fact, watch the principle in Scripture. This is the promise. Ready for this? Proverbs 11. Give freely and become more wealthy. They don't teach you that. That's an otherworldly principle. Give freely and become more, more wealthy. Watch what he says. Be stingy and lose everything. Uh, the generous prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What, what a promise in Scripture. Open hand open heaven. That's the principle. Closed hand, never enough. You open your hand, you live with an open heaven. You will always have more than enough. Why? Because God can trust you. You see, some of you have been praying for God to send you something, and all the things that he's given you, you've hoarded and you've taken and used for yourself, and he can't trust you with any more because the Bible says it's really hard for rich people to get into heaven. And somebody's saying, that's what I've been praying. I've been praying I'd be, I would be rich. I'm not rich. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You live on more than $1.90 a day, you're rich. You're richer than half the people in the world. You make over $40,000 a year, you're in the top 90% of the people in the world. You have a car that you're going to get into when you leave, you didn't come on a donkey today. You have a car, a nice car, a car you're paying a massive payment for. You're rich. If you go home to your closet and you open it up and you go I got nothing to wear but it's little it's not like there's nothing in there it's literally from one side to the other it's just full you can't even fit anything else if your if your bar that your clothes are hanging on is going like this right now you and me were rich if you have shoes for the spring the fall the winter the summer you have multiple shoes for those seasons do I need to keep going? If you came here today and you stopped at a drive through you went, bzzz. I'm going to take a $4 Frappuccino with almond milk because I'm watching my weight. And I'm going to put a picture online of my accomplishments in a few hours. Make it a skinny girl latte. Sir, are you a man? No. All right. <laughs> I love our campuses. We might have more than we need. Like, we, we just do. And the thing is, it's not to feel guilty. It's to be aware. That God does not increase your level of living so, or, or your money so that you can continue to increase yourself. That's the bigger barn principle. And that leads you to live in a life where you stand before God. He says, you're a fool. That he gives you more so that you can be more giving. That he gives you more so that you can lead a life of purpose and meaning. See, the truth is, we often think, that God gives us more time for us. That's not true. For those of you who have faith in Christ at all of our campuses, the moment, the moment that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that moment, if it was only about you, he would stop your heart, he would bring you before him, he would say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant, let's, let's, let's go, let's, let's live in eternity. There's nothing good for you there. But the reason that he continues to give you time on this earth is because someone else out there needs you. 
And I get it. Some of you are going, boy, what am I going to do? One of my pastor friends told me one time, older guy, he said, listen, you can't fix the world. But he said, always do for one what you wish you could do for all. The church is not going to fix the world itself. But always do for a few what you wish you could do for everyone. And I started thinking about that, that concept. And I've often used this sermon's illustration, this story, uh, in, in moments like this, because it's so powerful and so profound. And I think it'll speak, speak to us. But the one time there's this little boy, he's on the beach, and not like the Jersey Beach, and not like the, you know, Ocean City, Maryland, or Rehoboth, wherever you go, East Coast. He was on a beach, like a real beach. And uh, tide had come in and washed out. And because this is how we know he wasn't on a real beach. There wasn't needles and broken shells and know and garbage on the beach there was starfish as far as the eye could see and this little boy young heart of a child he's walking along the beach and he's uh he's bending down and he's picking up starfish and he's throwing them and he's saying there you go little guy and then he would do another one he would throw it and then he would do another one he would throw it and this old man decided i gotta go find out what this little boy is doing i need to educate him so this old man stops the little boy he says little boy what are you doing little boy stops he has a starfish and he throws there you go little guy he said i'm saving starfish they washed up they were healthy they washed back out and they're they're gone i'm saving starfish and he picked another one he threw him the little the old man because he's old like some of us and he's he knows the life and he's been in, in, in you know bit and bitter and and resentful and you know maybe he was an idealist at some point but he tried to change the world and it didn't work and so he's going to teach the boy and he says little boy stop for one second he said, look at the beach, as far as you can see. This little boy looked up. He said, you see how many starfish? There's millions of starfish, and you're one little boy. And he said, they're all going to die. You can't save them all. So why are you wasting your time? You can't make a difference. And he said, he picked one up, and he said, it makes a difference to this one. And he threw, the, he threw it back in. And he said, it makes a difference to this one. And, and he threw it back in. And I thought to myself, what a beautiful image of, of what we could do. Don't, don't, don't be an idealist with the negativity to it. That says, oh, I can't do much. I can only do a little, and it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal to one of those kids. When they get that letter that says they've been sponsored, that they're now going to have food on, a, on an everyday basis, and they're going to go be able to get an education that they couldn't get on their own, and they're going to have clothes, and their life is going to be changed. I remember the one little, the one, the one guy, he's not little anymore, but the one guy on the video, he actually, there's another video of him at a conference uh, years ago at this big national conference in Atlanta where they were asking people to sponsor people. And uh, he was there telling them, this, this worked for me. I was, a, I was an orphan, you know, poor kid in this, con- I don't know what country he was from. This, this person started to sponsor me. And now I'm in the States going to school to be a pastor to go back and start a church. She'll be sharing it. And they said, did you ever meet your sponsor? And he said, no, because that's the case for many. Many of us never had the opportunity. Some of us will, but maybe none of us, many of us don't have the opportunity to physically meet them. And they said, would you like to meet your sponsor? And all of a sudden, this, this, this guy who started sponsoring this, this, this little boy, uh, when he was just a teenager, comes walking out on the stage. And it was a, it was a glimpse of heaven. The, 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 the man in the video, I, I remember, he breaks down and he cries. He's sobbing uncontrollably. Because that, that, that American that has nothing to do, nothing was going to benefit him, no big deal. When he was a teenager, he started saying, you know what? 
I'm going to give $38 a month away to a kid that I might never meet. I'm going to make somebody else's problem my priorities. I'm going to be the little boy on the beach that picks up the, the starfish one at a time. I can't save everyone, but I can do something. So we're going to pray here in a second. And my hope is not that you have felt convicted. If that's what you felt, that's Holy Spirit in you, His business. I don't want you to feel convicted. I want you to be aware. I want you to be encouraged. I want our church to understand the significance of this moment in time. This is eternal. This is not just about a church. This is not just about a room. This is not about a project. This is not about a campus. This is about loving the least of these. And the Bible says when you love them, it's like loving it's like loving God. So would you do me a favor all over our houses? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for, for a moment? We're going to pray here in a second. And when you leave, you're going to walk right by a table. And uh, There's names of kids at every table, little pamphlets. There's people there to walk you through. It's very easy, very self-explanatory. It's an incredible opportunity, a privilege for us. That's what it is. It's a privilege for my family. We do three kids. So it's a privilege every month to watch that deduction come from my account, to know uh, that I have the ability from God because of how he's blessed me to make a difference in kids' lives that I don't know at all. It's a privilege and an honor. It's the good life. We often think of the good life as a vacation as a destination. No, it's the good life to be able to live generously and be sacrificial and be giving. So God's here right now and His Spirit is compelling us. I'm not sure how many kids are left, but my prayer all week has been, hey God, at all of our campuses, we have 150, uh, but God, that's not good enough. I know how many people are going to be in our church. I know how many people are going to watch online. God, I know it's Memorial Day weekend and many, many people are going to travel, but God, uh, we want a wait, waiting list. I want so many people to stop at that table that we have to jot down names and call compassion and say, hey, we have more people that want to sponsor more kids. That's my prayer. I believe it's going to happen at every one of our campuses. So here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that the Spirit begins to speak to you. I want to pray that when you stop at the table that He leads you to the exact kid that you or your family is supposed to sponsor. That God does more than just the money that you're going to send, but the, a relationship is birthed, just like that video, where they begin to understand they are valuable, they do have meaning. There is people that love them, that care about them, that are praying for them. They can make a difference in this world. That's compassion. That's compassion. And as we close, uh, before we leave, maybe you're here today and uh, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. But he's been doing something in your heart from the moment that you got here at all of our campuses. Like from the moment you got here, it's been unmistakable to you uh, that he led you here. From the moment that you, you walked on and somebody walked you in, from the moment the first to, the note was played on the instrument and the first, the first lyrics were sang, the Spirit of God began to work. And even in the midst of this, this, this message on compassion and giving uh, to, to kids all over the world that, that are in need, like the Spirit of God was working on you. Here's what's so cool about compassion. Uh, when we talk about compassion, we only understand it through what Jesus did for us. He's a compassionate God. The Bible says that he's slow to anger and he is rich in mercy. And some of you have, have ran from God and some of you had said no to God and some of you have rebelled against God and, 
And some of you had to try to do your life apart from God. And even in the midst of that, he has been compassionate towards you. He has offered you a relationship and offered you help and offered you love. And you've continually said no, but today you're here and it's your day to say yes. It's your day to invite him as your your Lord and your Savior. And some of you know what he's done for you and some of you haven't. Don't. You never heard the story. But you know you need love and you need forgiveness. Just so you understand what we're talking about, the Bible says every one of us is a sinner, falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us. It says the wages of our, our sin is death and hell. We deserve, we deserve to be separated from God and we deserve death and hell. But then it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone shall be saved. For if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that's how you do it. I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to step into the compassion. As we've talked about compassion, God is compassionate towards you. It cost him everything. He didn't tell you he cared from heaven. He showed you he cared from the cross. It cost him. It cut into eternity in his life. And he knew everything was on the line. Heaven and hell, life and death were on the line. And because of that, he gave up everything for you. And he's here right now. And before we leave this place as a church, and we leave worship, and we use what God's given us to bless other people, and we step outside of ourselves, my question for you is maybe you're a guest, maybe you've never been to church before, maybe you've been here many times, but you're not right with God through Jesus Christ, and today is your day to say yes. And before we leave today, that's most important. That's most important. You can't do anything else before you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're here at all of our campuses or somebody standing in the front just like me, Montgomeryville, Limerick, Royersford, Plymouth meeting right here in Phoenixville, I want to pray together. I want to lead you in a simple prayer to Jesus today. I'm not going to make you come forward or or, or make you stand up or call you out, but I want to know. They're going to let me know at all the other campuses that that's you. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus, to invite him to be your Lord, your Savior, your forgiver, and your friend. If that's you, from side to side, front to back at all of our campuses, and today I want to receive the compassionate love, the slow to anger, rich in mercy love of Jesus Christ into my life. Just one quick step of obedience is all all that it takes. And at our church, I want you to respond, not by coming forward, but I want you to let me know, and I also want you to stand before God and let Him know. Uh, by shooting your hands straight up in the air all over our campuses. And so if that's you, just begin to say, hey, that's me. The Spirit of God has been working on my heart, and today I'm going to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ with the hand held high. And as you raise your hand, somebody's going to let me know at all of our other campuses, and I'm going to begin to pray. If you're in Phoenixville right now, we're going to give you one more second to respond to the gospel of Jesus right now. On May 26, 2019, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I wasn't sure before. I had a religious experience with God. I grew up in church, but I never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And today I can feel that compassionate love of God. Let's clap for the person in Royersford right now as we continue to wait. Is there anybody else that, hey, Pastor, that's me. Let's begin to pray all over our campuses. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message. 
thank you that this is a message of action, that this is not just a message of word, but Lord, we are going to be a church that steps up, Lord, every kid at every campus, at every table is going to find a sponsor, but Lord, not an emotional response, Lord, something we're committing to, we're committing to through the hard seasons, through the difficult seasons, through the seasons where it gets more expensive, Lord, we will continue to make other people's problems a priority in our own lives because you did that for us. Lord, it wasn't your problem. Our sin was our problem, but you made our problem your priority. And it's because of your grace and your mercy and your love that we have new life in you, Jesus. We thank you for those people that are responding to the gospel, that they're saying yes to you, that the Bible says they're forgiven and they're made whole and they're a brand new creation. And when they leave here today, what was true of them is no longer true of them. I'm thankful for the purpose and plan you have for their life, for all that you want to accomplish. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done today and all you'll continue to do in your name we pray one more time church let's shout amen and clap together